no, don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be better this time. Make it better. What a good one. I'm going to try my hardest. Hello, hello, and welcome to It's Not TV. It's a podcast. I'm Nicole, and along with me is David. Hello, hello. This is the podcast where we celebrate HBO's prestige programming with subpar commentary. Each episode, we'll look into a show from HBO's past and tell you if it's worth your watch. What are we covering today? Today, we are looking at Silicon Valley. We will be discussing the very famous creator of the show, Mm. the show's cast, the pilot episode, evil tech giants, and we may even dabble in the metaverse. I will not be dabbling. We're going to undabble? No dabbling. We're going to unsubscribe. Unsubscribe from the metaverse. Friend requests denied. We're going to hang out with Tom instead. Yes. No pokes. You know what? I miss MySpace. How amazing was it to open your best friend's page and hear their favorite song playing? See your smiling yeah. face in their top eight? Ugh. This week, what would your, your song be? Because I know people used to change it a lot. If you had MySpace this week, what would be your song? Probably a Beatles song. Oh. Did you watch the documentary? I have not. Have you? Oh, I haven't. I was just curious why the Beatles this week. A very dear friend of mine passed away. He was a very big Beatles fan. Oh, well, that's sweet. Well, bringing us down uh, to start the show. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Silicon Valley. You and I both watched this show. Yes. Start to finish. Minute for minute. Laugh to laugh. Yeah, we both like this a lot. Uh, For those that may not know, Nicole and I both work in tech. So this was uh, kind of a cool show for us because they did overlap a little bit. And when people are are talking some tech stuff, we'll occasionally like turn to our significant others and go, see, like, it's cool. They do it, too. But it's not. And they're my friends. You see into the crystal ball of David's living room. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what happens. I told you so, Nancy. Look. Yeah. Being an asshole apparently is my love language. Um, <laughs> being right is your love language. Being right is my love language. <laughs> I don't need to be right. I just need to make sure that everyone hears my opinion on it repeatedly. Yep. Um, so you don't have to agree that I'm right. You just have to acknowledge that I've made a, a good point. Mm-hmm. And then I'll make it again and again and again endlessly until somebody shuts me up. Mm-hmm. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for subscribing. <laughs> When did Silicon Valley start? Silicon Valley ran from 2014 to 2019 for six seasons and 53 episodes. Silicon Valley is a comedy about engineers and developers struggling and then accidentally inventing a product, getting it funded, and trying to turn it into a profitable company, and all while satirizing tech companies and tech culture in the Valley. And you and I both watch this show, Nicole. Reality meets life. Yeah. Do you think it was ever too close? Like, was it too on the nose sometimes? Oh, yeah. I mean, there were times when I was like, oh, my God, that's a person I work with. Exactly. Yeah, that's happened for sure. And now the reason a lot of this a lot of this show is is so on the nose and so accurate. It was created by Mike Judge. Mike Judge graduated UCSD with a bachelor in science. And in the late 80s, he actually had a job at a startup in Silicon Valley. Uh, It did not last long, though. He said that the people he met were like Stepford Wives. They were true believers in something, but he didn't know what it was. Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's Kool-Aid. It's 100% Kool-Aid. So Mike Judge left and started doing animation, and he entered uh, his animation into film festivals, and Frog Basketball was apparently one of his shorts that got big and became Beavis and Butthead. Did you, were you a Beavis and Butthead person? I was not. (laughs) No. I mean, I wasn't a person. I'd seen the show. I didn't turn into them. 
did you watch any of those? There was Beavis and Butthead. There was Daria. Daria. There was like Aeon mm-hmm. Flux. Daria I loved. It was really good. It's funny because just recently I saw someone who actually had Jane's hair where it was like out and around. Do you remember Jane? Yes. Her best friend. I saw that hair in real life. I always thought, you know, it's a drawing. They can do what they want. It's real. It's real. Does it look good in real life? This girl was rocking it. Oh, okay. Good for her. Mm-hmm. So Mike Judge did Beavis and Butthead, which we weren't into. Uh, he also did King of the Hill. Now, I think that also missed us. Yep. Not my humor. Yeah. But he did do Office Space, which spoke to both of us. Oh, yes. Jennifer Aniston. Flair. Come on. It was good. I think that Peter, the the lead character in Office Space, like I got him when we saw that movie. I was like, yes, like I was working in a office job at the time that felt just as soul sucking as the one he was in. And so, you know, Beavis and Butthead and Daria, those sort of high school shows didn't connect with me. King of the Hill uh, about a propane salesman in, in, I guess, the Midwest didn't connect with me. But bored white guy in an office post-college not knowing what to do with his life yeah yeah that was me i got that it's funny before i even saw this in the research i was like this kind of reminds me of office space <laughs> it nails it it nails it. and jennifer anderson's cool in that show like her working a denon waitressing job and hating her manager was also very relatable so this show kind of came together uh, silicon valley Judge had told uh, Deadline that he had been hovering around with something like this for a while before the dot-com burst in 2000, and he thought about doing something about like a tech billionaire like Paul Allen, but he was like looking at it for like a movie at the time. Paul Allen is the co-founder of Microsoft. Yes, and he, he owns the Seahawks or owned the Seahawks. He's actually also a producer of movies. Oh, he gets around. Well, when you got that much money, I guess you get, you get bored. You're like, oh, I guess I'll buy a sports team this weekend. I bet, I bet you can't buy a sports team. Yeah. <laughs> Two guys having an argument as they swim <laughs> around in a vault full of money. Oh, this is, this again. <laughs> Scrooge <Yeah>. McDuck. <laughs> My Scrooge McDuck fantasy. <laughs> Killing yourself, diving headfirst into coins. <laughs> that would be an amazing way to die. Local man kills himself by diving into money. Like, that's amazing. Local women's husband kills himself diving into their money. Has to clean it. Before she can use it. Oh, I think if I left my wife billions of dollars, she'd be okay with having to clean up a few coins. (laughs) She could just throw those away. Give those to charity. I mean, it's literally blood money. She could she could get rid of it. (laughs) She's going to have to open a a car wash just to launder the money. (laughs) That's good. So Judge had said while he was working on that idea, HBO actually came to him with an idea about gamers. So they were looking to do a TV show about gamers. And he said that he didn't really know anything about gamers, but, you know, he had worked in Silicon Valley. So maybe they can merge the two ideas of these young gamers and instead do it in the tech industry. And that's how we got Silicon Valley. Now, in the show, the main company that we talk about the most in Silicon Valley is a company called Hooli. And they're kind of like a substitute for big tech companies like Google and Apple. And they're kind of like the villain of the show, like this giant, you know, megalith corporation. Who do you think's like the real Hooli right now? I really feel like it's Amazon. Okay. Amazon is destroying our climate. Yeah. Is destroying small business. <laughs> yep. It's not paying their taxes. Yeah. It's <laughs> buying up every piece of everything like whole foods even so that they can have their hand in stuff i really feel like it's amazon for me well they even had that like thing where they refused to have their like their workers go home during a tornado and i think some some folks died i mean you can't get more villain than having people killed in a tornado the fucking wicked witch did that back in the 20s (laughs) like that's the peak of wickedness in black and white yeah they had to like color that shit in to make it color (laughs) david which one do you think is destroying our world i'm gonna go with facebook and unless of course you're listening to us on facebook in which case please subscribe and like um share us with your friends i think individually all these products have their pros and cons the fact that one company and more importantly one asshole are in charge of all of them 
is the problem. So if you were to tell me that a major part of our lives and our technology is controlled by one person, I go, oh, shit. Okay, who is it? And then you showed me a picture of Mark Zuckerberg. I'd shit myself. He's just he's not the right person to have his finger on the button. Um, But yeah, metaverse is awful because of Mark Zuckerberg. So anything meta related with that fucking clown. So we we talk about all of the the companies here that we're just kind of throwing out. One of the cool things about Silicon Valley is their title sequence. Yeah. Which kind of incorporates all this stuff, right? It's funny because Huli kind of acts as, let's say, the bad guy or the bad tech. Mm -hmm. But all of the companies and our reality are also part of this world. Yeah. Yeah, they still exist. are encompassed in this title sequence, which is always exciting to watch and see what they've done and changed. Yeah. And it was designed by a company called U Plus Co., They've also done stuff like uh, The Walking Dead, uh, Zack Snyder's Watchmen, uh, Key and Peele, Mission Impossible 2. Uh, they even did some other HBO shows uh, like Leftovers and John Adams. It's it's kind of like The Sims. And so it's got this cool isometric map of Silicon Valley. And each of the buildings has like a famous tech company on it. And some even are like recreations of the absurd little tech campuses that like Apple and Google have built to make them seem like neat and hip. And I think that the map is actually based on an old map of Silicon Valley that they would put into like these really garish calendars in the 80s and 90s, (laughs) like to show off all the cool tech companies in the valley, which now seems kind of cheesy because like there's a lot of homeless people all surrounding those campuses now. And maybe it's not as neat. But yeah, each season, the map would change. And I think they started with like 20. And by the final season, they had up to 50 companies being represented. Jeez. Yeah. But there were some some really cool ones that we liked in there. Could a couple of those companies come over to Port St. Lucie? <laughs> the bedroom city. Is that what they call it? They call it the bedroom city because there's no place to work here. Oh, I thought it was because you people have so many dongle acceptance areas. <laughs> Four per person. <laughs> Four per person. For research, we watched a few breakdown videos of the intros. We'll link them in the show notes later. There's too many fun references to cover them all, but we've got a couple of notable ones. Like there's a Napster hot air balloon that takes off and then pops (laughs) there's a nice little zynga sign in there a nice touch considering how much this intro looks like a shitty 2002 zynga game (laughs) in season two the little building with the oculus and the whatsapp signs are eaten by facebook really wish we'd get to see the show's (laughs) intro and hold this meta rebrand in season three all the little cars in the town get replaced by tiny teslas in the final season the facebook sign flickers to reveal a logo in Cyrillic Russian because Facebook and the election. Destroying our democracy. (laughs) One comrade at a time, am I right? Lastly, the opening theme song is a psychedelic synthy song by the artist Tobacco, and it's great. But the music throughout the entire series is sort of amazing. Yeah, I I think the the music really, it it just crushes it throughout. Uh, The music supervisor is dug into like super deep hip hop and electronica. They eventually dubbed it Nerd Swagger, which (laughs) if I'm going to have any kind of swagger, that would be the branding of my swagger, Nerd Swagger. The show even premiered several new songs by artists during the credit sequence, including Nobody Speak by Run Jewels and DJ Shadow. Everyone knows this song now. It is the song with the guitar and all the fun curses in it. You all know this song. Uh, nobody speak. Nobody get choked. To listen to all of this uh, great music, we recommend you follow Herb's Silicon Valley playlist on Spotify. We don't know if it's Herb or Herb. He seems herb. way too fucking cool to be Herb. So I think it's like straight up Herb. So <laughs> thanks, Herb. We appreciate Silent you. H. Smoke him if you got him, Herb. <laughs> Silicon Valley has received critical acclaim since its premiere. Oh, sure. Rotten Tomatoes presented the first season with a 95% certified fresh and an average score of 7.94 out of 10 based on 57 reviews. (laughs) You don't sound like that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, would you buy that product even if it was four and a half stars on Amazon? 57? You're the girl that that would prefer 1,000 reviews for four stars on a restaurant, unlike Yelp, than five reviews for five stars on Yelp. Yes. Yeah, I mean, what are the chances your mom and dad and brothers and sisters all did those reviews for five stars? Oh, 
I would love to know if our parents and brothers and sisters actually gave this podcast five stars because I don't think they have. Yeah, I tried to talk about my podcast a bunch of times over Thanksgiving and my family talked over me. So, oh, I don't think they're listening and I certainly don't think they're rating. (laughs) With the critical consensus, Rotten Tomatoes said, quote, Silicon Valley is a relevant, often hilarious take on contemporary technology and the geeks who create it that benefits from the co-creator Mike Judge's real life experience in the industry, end quote. Yeah, not everyone agreed, though. David Auerbach of Slate said that the show didn't really go far enough to be called risky or a biting commentary. He said, quote, because I'm a software engineer, Silicon Valley might portray me with my pants up to my armpits, nerdily and nasally complaining that Thomas's compression algorithm is impossible or that nine times F in hexadecimal is 87, not Flevin D5. But I would forgive such slips in a second if the show were funny. That's certainly not where it lacks, in my opinion. Maybe the, no. the math doesn't add up, but yeah, I, <laughs> it's lost I think on me. him saying him saying that the characters are broad and like really nerdy, I think is a fair critique. But trying to imply that takes away from the humor instead of making the humor more relatable, I think is something I disagree with. I think it made it easier to relate to the characters. I mean, East Coast tech might be different than West Coast tech, but I can definitely pick out the types mm-hmm. in a real tech environment. So definitely relatable from my POV. For sure. Fifth season's approval rating dipped to 89, but right back up to 94 for the sixth and final season. Closing out strong. Meredith Haggerty from Vulture said, I like it, but I don't really think of it as a comedy. Somewhere in the back of my head, I have this creeping, uninformed outsider's belief that it's just accurate. <laughs> it, it is, Meredith. Yeah, yeah, they, they they nailed it, Meredith. It's still funny. You can still laugh at it. It's okay. Meredith also said HBO isn't TV, so it doesn't do sitcoms. Foundational comedies, Entourage and Sex in the City feature absurdly low stakes. Will Vince get this or that role? Will Carrie break up with this guy or, or date this guy? Will Turtle find his lost bag of weed? Will Samantha learn to deal with this <laughs> new man's unusual penis? Aren't they all, though, in their own way? <laughs> So let's talk about these nerds, starting with the very own Richard Hendricks, played by Thomas Middleditch. If you don't watch the show, you might know him from the Verizon commercials. The star of the Verizon commercials. <laughs> He's been up to great things since the show. Before Kate took over in yeah. a red outfit, <laughs> popping into everyday situations and telling you why you should buy a <laughs> Verizon plan. So bad. (laughs) Richard Hendricks is a neurotic developer who comes up with a middle out algorithm and becomes the head of Pi Piper, the new company. Hendricks is known for his panic attacks, uncontrollable nerves, and inability to ever let anything go. Every single grievance sticks with him. Judge said, quote, I was a little worried before we started the casting process. I thought of Thomas Middleditch when I wrote it. He auditioned like everybody else and was great. It was important to me that the cast was believable, that they were highly intelligent and not just goofy caricatures. They had to be both funny and good actors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it worked. Yeah. Middle Dish was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Lead in a Comedy Show. Before Silicon Valley, Thomas was a Canadian who spent time at Seconds. What? <laughs> He's a Canadian who spent He's time. He's a Canadian. Before Silicon Valley, he was a Canadian. <laughs> he was a Canadian. He's no, no longer a Canadian. No, he's not a He doesn't identify <laughs> Canadian. He's he's nationality fluid. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> nationality is a choice, okay? He chooses not to be Canadian anymore. <laughs> he oh, said, I quote, fuck the queen, unquote. <laughs> he's like, I hate your free health care. Yeah. Before Silicon Valley, Thomas Middleditch spent time at Second City and his audition routine for SNL didn't get him the job, but it did get him noticed. And he appeared in a bunch of TV pilots and guest spots, including a lot of animated work and an episode of The Office called The Farm. That was a backdoor pilot for a spinoff focused on Dwight and his family. Yeah, the interesting thing here was, so The Office was wrapping up. Uh, They were in their final season, and they desperately wanted to have a spinoff. And they weren't really sure which direction to go, and a lot of the actors were already moving on. 
So they decided to focus on Dwight. So for those that watched the final season of The Office, it was really about setting up Dwight's other life. Uh, they set up another love interest for him who was a tractor whore. I'm not exaggerating. That was what he called her. And so they were setting up this other life for him, really focusing on his farm and his his extended family farm. And so Thomas Middleditch actually played his brother in in an episode called The Farm. And the goal of this episode was to set up Dwight to leave the office and run his Aunt Shirley's farm with his brother and his sister. And Thomas Middleditch played a character who had gotten some money by farming weed in California. And so the funny thing was him coming back to Scranton, Pennsylvania after illegally selling weed. <laughs> this is, And then, of course, the show didn't get picked up. So all of those plot lines kind of got quietly ignored. We forgot that Dwight had a brother and a sister and a nephew. We forgot that he picked up the extra farm and he just kept working at the office. So no harm, no foul. And everybody started walking around with Troot Farms t-shirts and I did not get it. Yeah. And now you know why. It's a beet farm. <laughs> but yeah, the, the backdoor pilot thing is really interesting. So most shows have a pilot episode and that is an episode that's made and they show it off and then they decide to make the other episodes. But sometimes they'll use an existing cast to try and spin it off. And so they'll have one episode of a season devoted where most of the main characters will be the characters that are transitioning to this new show. Lyra Minnie recently has talked a lot about her experience on Who's the Boss, where she was Samantha Maselli's best friend, who then became a model and the star of a show called Living Dolls, which didn't go anywhere. All in the Family is the most famous one for this. Norman Lear, in particular, who made All in the Family, is known for this a lot. But from All in the Family, it premiered multiple, multiple shows throughout the 70s, even into the 90s, including Maud, Good Times, The Jeffersons, Checking In, Archie Bunker's Place, Gloria, and 704 Hauser. Let me explain to you, Nicole, how popular All in the Family was that they had a spinoff of The House in All in the Family. <laughs> the House got its own fucking spinoff. That's how popular that show was. Did they get that crane and like actually lift it out and turn it, physically <laughs> spin it against the other houses in the neighborhood? It did not actually have a spinoff. That was a bad joke. Uh, no, that's okay. Yeah, but 704 Hauser was in the mid-90s. and It was about a black family moving into Archie Bunker's old house. And so it was kind of a reversal of fortune type thing where Archie was always the racist white guy. And then they brought in a, a yeah. black family into the neighborhood. And it was about their experience in this very sort of backwards neighborhood. But all of these shows were usually about side characters who would then get their sort of own episode to shine, and then you'd spin them off. And, and there's been lots of them. Happy Days uh, was a spinoff, um, and lots of Mork and Mindy was another spinoff off of there. So lots of shows that we know of. Mork and Mindy spun off of All in the Family? No, Mork and Mindy spun off of Happy Days. Oh, I was like, when did yeah. the aliens arrive to 704 they, Hauser? They arrived in Happy Days, which is even weirder. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's Thomas Middleditch. And again, I thought he that was my first exposure to him. I thought he was really cool. I thought his character was funny. Let's talk about TJ Miller played Ehrlich Bachman. Ehrlich Bachman is the entrepreneur that helps fund the team, but doesn't seem to have any skills. Like he doesn't know how to code or understand basic human behavior. <laughs> TJ Miller was another Second City guy, and he did the stand-up circuit before getting the show. He's also been like the funny sidekick guy in a bunch of shows, like She's Out of My League, Transformers, Deadpool, Yogi Bear, etc. Any of those ring a bell? Was he good in any of those? I don't really remember him in those. Deadpool. He was good in Deadpool? Deadpool wasn't bad. I didn't see any of the others. Yeah. She's Out of My League was okay, from what I remember, but Transformers movies can go fuck themselves. Don't pee on good actors or David will disown you. Thank you. It's a it's a low bar to clear. Don't pee on Oscar winning actors. Just thank you, Nicole. I appreciate you. Mike Judge said that uh, the role of Ehrlich Bachman was hard to cast because every actor came in. They wanted to be like Ehrlich because he was the kind of the craziest of the group and the, the most wacky. Also, we do have to talk about that. The actor, T.J. Miller, he's gotten into some trouble over the years. He's had some physical assault and sexual misconduct accusations against him. Even on this show, Silicon Valley, he had been accused of some misconduct. On the one hand, he's been uh, open and honest about uh, some brain surgery uh, following poor behavior and finding of an abnormality in his brain. On the other hand, he could also just be a fucking jerk. Uh, we don't know. I think you can both be struggling with mental health issues and also be an asshole. I think those can be two mm -hmm. independent things. And then 
after he caused a bomb scare uh, while riding an Amtrak train, mm-hmm. he actually lost his job doing voice work for How to Train Your Dragon and was mostly written out of Silicon Valley as well. Again, we don't mean to make fun. Uh, we know these are serious accusations. Uh, so we will just politely move on and welcome our audience to look more into T.J. Miller, who uh, may be a fucking jerk. We don't know. That's that's certainly what it seems like. But <laughs> moving on from uh, uh, this jerk, Nicole, we talk about one of your favorite characters, Gilfoyle. Yes, Martin Starr plays a real Canadian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Gilfoyle is a Satanist, dry-humored network developer. He spends most of his time trying to destroy his best frenemy, Dinesh, who we'll talk about next. He hit it big with Freaks and Geeks, which also launched several other careers. So just to, let's run through how big these stars are. Uh, so James Franco is obviously famous and is a piece of shit. Uh, Seth Rogen is high all the time and is really funny and has an iconic laugh and is actually an excellent writer and director in his own right. Uh, Jason Siegel is most known for his time on How I Met Your Mother, but... He also uh, is famous for being in the film Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which he co-wrote and is amazing. And that is where you get to see his penis multiple times. Was it his? It wasn't a standard penis? No, it was his penis. In fact, there's even oh. extended scenes where there's more penis that they cut. Oh, from where he film. like jumps around and like yes. swings it in a circle. Yes. That was his actual penis? Yes. I don't know if that disturbs me more. Yeah. Busy Phillips was on ER as well as Cougar Town. Uh, she's a really funny actress. And Linda Carnellini uh, played Velma in a live Scooby-Doo, but she was also in ER for many seasons with Busy Phillips. And she is Hawkeye's wife in the MCU. And she's currently uh, appearing in the Hawkeye series, currently on Disney+. Plus. Part of this little group is Jay Baruchel. He actually yes. voices um, Hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon. And he was in She's Out of Your League with... Oh. Douchebag T.J. Miller. There you go. The six degrees of J. Bruce. Yeah, we made it. Good job, guy. Good job. Well done. <laughs> Star would go on. And I think actually they're in that Knocked Up movie. Yeah. Anyway. A whole bunch of them are. Mm-hmm. Star would go on to Star and Party Down and then lots and lots of guest appearances before Silicon Valley, including appearances in several MCU movies as one of Spider-Man's teachers. He is currently in a one scene in spider-man uh no way home but uh party down is currently doing a reboot slash reimagining slash sequel series and martin star will be appearing in it so for those fans of party down it is coming back so i just want to mention um that gilfoyle is probably my favorite thing about this show i used to work with what i believe is the live in person gilfoyle so it's really fun and Gilfoyle spends most of his time fucking with Dinesh. Uh, Dinesh, who is played by Kumail Nanjiani. And Dinesh is another programmer who is a bit of a nervous Nelly and always seeks the approval of Gilfoyle, uh, which he never gets. Uh, before Silicon, uh, Kumail showed up in a lot of TV shows, including Veep, Franklin and Bash, Portlandia. He's also a kindred soul with us, as he's created several podcasts, uh, <laughs> like the video game-focused The Indoor Kids and The X-Files files which is a great name for a a show about the x-files also co-wrote and starred in the 2017 rom-com the big sick which was critically acclaimed and earned him an oscar nom for best screenplay and the movie is the true story about uh, kumail dating his future wife emily gordon who fell into a coma uh during their courtship oh my god Uh, she survived and yeah and they eventually married and uh, they co-wrote the film together and she was an executive producer so it's a happy ending what yeah, it's the calm part of the rom-com. Ugh. And much like many of our other stars on this show, the all-encompassing Marvel Cinematic Universe continues to chew them all up. And he recently debuted as an Eternal named Kingo. And uh, he looked pretty fantastic. In which movie? The Eternals. Oh. He was an Eternal in The Eternals. There's a Marvel portion of the marvel universe is called the eternals yes they're like aliens who hang out here for like better tax rates or something and so yeah he's one of those and he got super buff for it and he looks great and he he posted several thirsty pictures on the internet um and uh, then told everyone like he needed a beverage no no so it's like the look how good i look 
and then he felt bad about it because he oh. was trying to do it as like a, hey, look, I got in shape and it's all helped to, you know, the cast and the crew and the the people working with me and the dietitians. <laughs> and so he was trying to, like, give a plus moment to everyone else. And everyone just got super thirsty about it and made him feel uncomfortable. And he was like, yeah, I kind of regret this. Like, yeah. but he had that V, you know, the points to your penis like Brad Pitt has. He had one of those. And I, when you post it on the Internet, that's what happens. There are a couple of other. <laughs> there are several other characters in the series, including Josh Brenner as Nelson Bighead Baghetti, Amanda Crew as Monica Hall, who is a consultant and sometimes partner of the guys. Zach Woods plays Donald Jared Dunn, a VP at Hooli, and Matt Ross as Gavin Belson, the CEO of Hooli and the main villain of the show. Yeah, so many great characters in this show. Let's talk about the pilot. Uh, Nicole, can you walk us through uh, our first episode here of Silicon Valley? Yes, the episode was viewed by 2 million viewers. The name of the episode is Minimal Viable Product, and it was filmed in Palo Alto in real life. Oh, yeah. Richard, Ehrlich, Guilfoyle, Dinesh, and Bighead all go to a party celebrating a former roommate having his company purchased by Google. We learn that while some of them work for Huli, a mega software company run by a douchey founder, Richard has been working on a side project called Pied Piper, an application that searches the internet for music copyright infringement. The trick is that he's using a compression algorithm as part of this, and the algorithm itself is highly desired, though Richard doesn't really know this at first he even gives away his code to some programmers at Huli to check it out but they're just doing it to make fun of him then they notice that the compression is awesome is awesome <laughs> and they run it up the flagpole to the vp who loops in the ceo who offers to buy the algorithm off of richard for 10 million dollars but richard gets an offer from a tech idol of his that he met at a ted talk this Counter offer is significantly less money, but lets Richard maintain control of the company, which allows him to be guided by this tech idol of his. So he debates the two offers. The bidding war is going on back and forth, and he has a panic attack. Womp womp. Monica, who works for the tech idol, meets up with Richard and pitches him on how great the algorithm is and the positive impact it can have on the world. Richard decides to take the smaller offer and form their own startup. After trying out a few different inspiring speeches, Richard and his team toasted their new adventure and he says, fuck it, I don't know, let's make it happen. That's inspiring. I've got chills. I'd work for him. Yeah, for sure. And this is sort of where the where the show goes. So Mike Judge had said that at the beginning of each season, the entire writing staff would go up to San Francisco and the Valley for about a week. He said, we'd pack our days with meetings, with startups and with venture capitalists and different serial entrepreneurs. We have lunches and dinners with all kinds of oddball people with lots of interesting thoughts. Judge even had someone working on uh, the independent internet uh, that they try to invent on the show. Basically, every season the show is constantly balancing, satirizing the process of having a startup, giving the characters absurd obstacles to overcome that should kind of sink any other company, and then somehow having the gang miraculously and idiotically stumble back into success. And actually, the format works. <laughs> it works a lot better than you than you might expect. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Yeah, yeah. And and the first season's mostly about these guys doing the startup and then trying to beat Hooli to the market. Uh, but we get into all sorts of stuff, right? In later seasons, they dive into legal arbitrations and Pied Piper being sued by tech giants, running through a half dozen different <laughs> CEOs of the company. Yeah, yep. And they nail like every type of CEO too. It's great. Actually staffing out and managing a growing tech company by people who are all like 27 and have no idea how to talk to their employees, let alone people. Yeah. <laughs> and in later seasons, the show even tackles bigger, headier ideas like trying to create an internet that decentralizes from the big 10 companies and ISPs. Yeah, this is a real thing that some people actually want to do in real life. Uh, several startups and research teams have been working on an internet that is outside the regulation of big companies or governments. And Mike Judge actually worked with a few of them while fleshing out the plot line of the show. They even have the show tackle literally creating like an AI algorithm that may accidentally cause global annihilation, which is something you and I try to avoid doing every day at our real jobs. <laughs> Constant struggle. Constant struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of AI algorithms that may kill the world, what was one of your most memorable things uh, that these guys get into in the show? 
So probably hiring the kid protege programmer who came in to help them in one of the episodes and Richard gets all jealous and competitive. And so the kid is like operating on Adderall. That's why he's able to work so fast and do as much as he does. (laughs) But he runs out. So they send Jared to go get his refill of his prescription. And Jared ends up using a a driverless car, a self-driving car. Same. Um, Same. And it ends up auto driving to a container that takes him to some billionaire's private island where he's found (laughs) with his (laughs) unprescribed medication on his person. He gets in a lot of trouble. It's really funny. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. But anyway, as we know with these folks, every time they lose everything, it's like a fire in the forest where everything comes back greener and lusher and better. So which moment do you remember the best? So Guilfoyle and Dinesh, when they do the SWAT report. um, So for those that don't know SWAT report, it it stands for strength, weaknesses, opportunity and threats. It's like a nerdy pro cons board is the kind of the way I think of it. Yeah, they learned that from Jared in one of the first episodes. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a thing you do in business, and it's a thing you especially do in tech. And Gilfoyle and Dinesh are into a young lady, and that young lady's boyfriend is a daredevil, and he's about to do a jump across the building in in like a fancy car. And uh, the reason Dinesh and Gilfoyle and our team is involved is because they're helping. I film it and they're going to show it on the internet using their new compression algorithm that'll make it stream faster or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they notice that his math is wrong and that he's going to die <laughs> doing the stunt because he he missed like he forgot to carry a one or some shit. Oh. Uh. So they go through this this SWOT analysis, again this high tech pros cons list, uh so strength, weaknesses, opportunities and threats uh, caused by them letting Blaine die. Uh, so some of my favorites here uh for strengths is that the death is captured in high-resolution slow motion and holds up on repeated viewings, uh, showing off their cool tech. (laughs) One of the weaknesses would be that Blaine dies too fast for them to enjoy it. An opportunity is that there's the possibility of a grief threesome with Blaine's girlfriend and his hot mom. Yeah. And uh, But one of the threats is, is that the investigation and trial for Blaine's murder would end up setting back Pied Piper's latest product build. (laughs) So that's what they're really focused on here. But I think the funniest part of this scene, this whole thing, is that Blaine actually walks in the room while they're doing this. Yeah, and he he apologizes, like, in front of the board. He hasn't read it yet. And he apologizes for being mean to them. And he's like, you know, I've just so in my head right now. I even found a math problem. And I really apologize to you guys. And, like, he gives this really heartfelt. Yeah. (laughs) Then he turns and he sees the fucking board. So good. It's, It's pretty great. I mean, they've got their priorities in order. They really do. Speaking of priorities, on this episode, I'd like to introduce a new segment called Nicole Explains. Oh, because it okay. seems that people are very confused. In one of the episodes later in the later seasons, Ehrlich buys a palapa. Okay. A palapa is very similar to what most people understand to be a tiki hut. Grass on the roof. Yeah, yeah tree trunks as as the posts but a palapa has open sides a tiki hut has at least one enclosed side so you might have a tiki hut bar because it is attached to a building where they keep all the liquor and valuables okay that's a tiki hut in the middle of your backyard by the pool four-sided structure all open 10 degrees cooler than the rest of your backyard and then beautiful shade that's a palapa, guys. Nicole and I once stood under a makeshift palapa in Utah while playing with a robot. <laughs> that was not a palapa. That it was got intense. so fucking hot that we had to put the robot's batteries in a refrigerator to keep them from exploding. That's a true story. Didn't you get sunburn on your I head? I got incredibly sunburned <laughs> on my head during this God. adventure. It was not a fun adventure. This was really helpful, Nicole. I think our audience enjoyed it. I do worry about you, though, like at 2 a.m. researching the difference between a palapa and a tiki hut. I just got so sick of people misnaming them, misidentifying it's them. It's important to you. Yeah, it, I, I get that. It's annoying. It's an, I, I want to make clear, I've never made this 
argument with you. I'm I'm in full agreement with you. I want to make sure you know I'm team Palapa here. You will never now because you know no, I've learned been my educated. lesson. So these four men represent young tech literate men who are very lonely. Yeah. They suck at dating, building relationships. Which of the four lowly men who can't manage relationships would you give a chance? I think I'd have to go with Dinesh. Ehrlich's way fucking too much. I I couldn't deal with him. Richard and I share too much of the same anxiety. I think we'd like trigger each other too much. (laughs) Gilfoyle, I'd find the funniest, but he would kind of bum me out with his Satanist stuff. I mean, better than bumming me out with his Christian stuff. So I guess I'd go with Dinesh because he seems like the pure nicest of the group. Yeah. What what about you? I mean, the way Jared takes care of Richard, the way he takes care of the rest of the team and Pied Piper's overall wellness, it leads me to believe he would be a very considerate and caring partner. Hmm. Or probably too similar to last for the long haul. But I think I'd yeah. give him a chance. And man, that guy fucks. He does. He does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Jared, Jared seems like reserved and nerdy and, and socially awkward. But one of our, our characters does point out that Jared fucks literally by pointing to him and saying, this guy fucks because he gets it. He knows what's going on behind Jared's behind Jared's eyes immediately upon meeting yeah him. oh yeah he knows he can tell and uh so so this investor he's played by uh chris diamantopoulos and his name is russ hanneman he comes in 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 the later seasons and he's kind of this fiery millionaire uh, who comes in as part of their funding he says that he made his fortune by putting radio on the internet whatever the fuck that means i i, I don't know if that, that may be us maybe he's making fun of us but yeah, he comes in and he runs a tequila company and he drives insane cars and he's got all these schemes going on. And so it's it's kind of nice that he comes in as this big hotshot investor that kind of plays the opposite of what they've been dealing with, which is nerdy CEOs. So you said that Russ, the investor, has an insanity. I definitely think Richard has an insanity, but in a different way. Would you work for Richard? Would you work at Pied Piper? Oof. So this is a good question. Um, and we currently work at a, at a startup, you and I, um, but it's it's very different than the Pied Piper uh, startup. I don't think I could work very closely with Richard. I think his product that he's developing is is cool. I, I do see the the financial applications of a, a algorithm that makes it easier to send data. And I, of course, see the, the, the benefits of how this could send medical data and information quicker and could save lives. Sure. So I don't disagree with what they're making at Pied Piper, but these guys do not know what the fuck they're doing. And Richard is at the top of that list of not knowing what the fuck he's doing. Funny to watch, not funny to work at. So, no, <laughs> I don't I don't think I'd I could hang with Richard Hendricks and the gang. Could you? What I like about the idea of working for the company at different parts of the series um, is that there's not a lot of structure. So it allows you to kind of create the type of work environment that works best for you. Yeah. That's being said, this is without the, the knowledge of how many times they attract things like a magnet to destroy <laughs> everything. Yeah. So that would become really disheartening over time. But without yeah. that knowledge, I think the, the work environment is really aligned with a lot of startups and I could probably work there. Yeah. yeah, you could survive a little bit. They're rushing for Pied Pipers trying to create middle out compression, which is a, a, a new way of saving data and transferring data. They think it's going to change the world. In the pilot episode, that is the pitch to Richard that he shouldn't go with the big mega evil conglomeration and the quick payout. He should go with a smaller company because his tech can change the world. Which technology do you think like changed your life the most? I'm going to go ahead and say that pirating music changed my life. And okay. being able to go on the internet, grab some songs over four or five hours, load them up to get ready to download, go to sleep and wake up, burn a CD and listen to it at the bus stop yeah. on my CD player. And every time the bus hits a bump, <laughs> it would skip. <laughs> that's that's what changed my life because I remember going to the mall before we had that kind of accessibility to music. Yeah, 
my mom would give me 15 bucks maybe you can't buy a cd with 15 bucks yeah we didn't have access to music the the most access we had was oh my gosh the radio is playing that song run over and hit the record button quick yeah so i think i think my music taste my my exposure to different types of music Mm-hmm. really expanded when it kind of became available to my fingertips now i pay for music i have a yes, monthly subscription yes. apologies to all the artists listen i wouldn't have been <laughs> able to buy your music anyway so you didn't really lose money yeah. from me <laughs> statute of but, limitations anyway i think you're clean i think i don't <laughs> think you need to lawyer up i think you're okay <laughs> so back to this show yeah let's talk about what we really liked about this pilot and you can talk a little bit about the broader show if you want to. People being in over their heads is like my love language in <laughs> in narrative. Like, I, I get okay. it. I feel I'm in over my head all the fucking time. There's a scene in the pilot where Richard's having a panic attack and he goes to see a doctor. I have been a person who has had a panic attack and gone to see a doctor over something equally as stupid as what Richard is doing. Mm-hmm. And the doctor tells him a story about how this happened before to someone. Wait a minute. Someone's offered you $10 million for something you created? No, uh, absolutely not. Um, but let's <laughs> okay. keep pumping out these episodes any day now, Nicole. Any day. That's right. But Richard goes to the doctor and he tells the doctor, these are my my problems. And the doctor can't re- says, oh, this happened to another patient of mine. He had the same scenario. He was offered a lot of money and he didn't know if he should take it or not. And he's like, well, what happened? And he's like, oh, well, he tried to kill himself and he did it wrong. And he's like, how does this fucking help me? And so then the doctor explains to him, if you're going to kill yourself, here's the best way to do it. So, yeah. So for me, I think the best part of of the pilot and of the show is when the characters are way in over their heads and they react in like the dumbest, the worst, the stupidest, the most uninformed way possible. Because I get it. Because that's what I do. Yep. Now, what about you? I know you loved the show and you loved the pilot. Yeah. What was what was like your favorite thing from it? This show's really funny. I feel very empathetic, specifically in this episode, toward Richard and Big Head because these developers tease them, yeah, make fun yeah. of them. I think it's really clear and concise and the hysterical depiction of the nature of the tech world at the time. Mm-hmm. And now, really. It just seemed like there was no accountability which we obviously know that that's changing a little bit, but so much of the corporate dynamic is just cringy. But I I just think they did a really good job. So the show wasn't perfect. David, what are some things you don't like about the show? I had an issue with the show where it felt like this, the Sisyphus syndrome, like you push the rock up the hill and you fall back down. Yeah. Where each season we sort of got the, hey, they made it. And then right before the finale, we're like, ah, they fucked it up. Yeah. And then, hey, they made it. Ah, they fucked it up. It's so disheartening. I completely agree. They don't ever seem to learn. And even though it's realistic, it could get tiring at times. Yeah. Yeah. And it it wasn't so big that like you shouldn't watch the show. It wasn't so big that it would take away from any of the struggle. But it was a little bit like, oh, come on. Really? Again? So that kind of gives us a good picture of what Silicon Valley was. Um, Some shows that are like this, if you haven't seen this one, are the IT crowd. It's very similar to Entourage in terms of a group of guys kind of navigating uh, Mm -hmm. their environment. It's kind of like Nerdtourage. It is similar to The Office, but I would caution Mm. folks that it's more Dwight than Jim, right? The characters are more the outlandish, crazy, you know, weird nerds than the cool guy. See, I might say Guilfoyle is the Jim. Yeah, but even Jim can manage a normal relationship, and I don't think Guilfoyle no. can pull that off. He has a girlfriend the whole time. But doesn't she betray him and go to prison or something? No, that's that's Dinesh. That's Dinesh. It's hard to keep track of which was. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, though, if you watch The Social Network, and in, and it was a comedy, instead of being a historical record of how our society started burning down from the inside, <laughs> like that's... If, if you somehow find that funny, that's that you should watch the show. But w- what other shows do you think kind of like for our audience that are like this? To me, this comedy, while it's silly, is also very smart. So I yeah, kind of yeah. associate it with Big Bang Theory with okay. cursing and dick jokes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rick and Morty. And then I mentioned earlier Daria, for sure. Very similar. Nicole, you mentioned dick jokes. I think the joke that most people come away with from this show 
is a particular scene in the show where there's a reference to jerking off people in a crowd at a tech convention. That's how it all started. Yeah, the team sits down to figure out how many people could they jerk off if they had to, and they start doing the math on like the optimal jerk-off angle of where penis to hand should be, whether they could yeah. use two hands at once, whether they could use their knees, their shoulders, whether they could have one in their mouth at the same time. This is because there was no point in them presenting. So they were like, yes. we might as well just stand up there. Would it would we be able to jerk off everyone in the audience yeah. in enough time that we have? <laughs> it's If you want to know if you'll find this show funny, Googling the Silicon Valley jerk-off scene isn't as scary as it sounds, <laughs> uh, but the Silicon Valley jerk-off scene uh, would be a, a good indicator of, of kind of where this humor goes, where it takes a very silly thing, but adds some intelligence and smarts yeah. to it. That's a good microcosm of the show. Silicon Valley ran for a lot of seasons, very popular. Nicole, should our audience watch it? I absolutely think everyone should watch it. Uh, you learn a lot about the things you take for granted every day, but you also get to laugh a lot do you think that people should watch it yeah this one gets my ringing endorsement i think it's great i think it's really funny um you root for the team when they fuck up they kind of get what they deserve they don't learn a whole lot from their lessons as you mentioned but mm -hmm. they do get what they deserve for fucking up this is one of the 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 shows that i would recommend on hbo that i don't have a whole lot of caveats for and i do think that the first episode the pilot is a is a is a taste of the series so if you don't like the pilot you can bail yeah this one was was a i was a big fan all right. That's a wrap on season two for Nicole and I. But join us next week for a bonus episode. Boner episode. Where we'll actually be taking a look at, and just like that, the new series from HBO that is a sequel to Sex and the City, which we covered earlier this season. So we're excited to jump back in and find out what has happened to Carrie and the gang. Nicole, you excited to deep dive in and visit the ladies again? Yeah, this is the one where... Um, they come back and Carrie's the principal and Samantha's the gym teacher and they're, <laughs> oh no, that's saved by the bell. Never mind. That's saved by the bell. That's saved by the bell. But also we'll put that on the list. Uh, yeah, but so we're excited <laughs> to talk about and just like that. So we look forward to seeing you guys all next week where we do a cool bonus episode. Check out our Twitter feed at It's Not TV Pod for further details about our podcast and to connect with our community. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. A special thank you to our producer, Matt Malone. It's Not TV is a production of Brew It Media. Nicole, thank you so much for visiting the Valley with me. Brew it! <laughs>